18. Um, that's where we're going to be at today. Uh, we're in week number two of a new series that we started last week. That's why it's week number two, Ryan. You don't, you don't have to say certain things, right? People get it. Uh, week number two of a series called Anchors. Um, I told you last week that anchors can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, they can help keep us grounded, but they can also hold us back from, from where we need to go, especially um, in regards to our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we anchor ourselves to the wrong thing, um, it's really going to hold us back, and it's really going to hinder us in our relationship with Jesus and in our relationship with other people. Um, and as we talk about these different topics throughout this series, we're going to see um, each week how, how what we're saying we need to be anchored into um, can be a good thing and a bad thing if we don't do it. Uh, last week, we talked about how we needed to be anchored in compassion. And I told you that compassion is greater than condemnation. I'm going to show you a little bit more of that this week. That's not necessarily what the message is about. But as we go through the message, you'll see a great example of that, about how we need to be anchored continually in compassion. It's kind of one of those things that's helped propel us uh, through everything else that we're talking about um, in this series. Because I told you, people are walking away from church. And they're walking away from church not necessarily because they don't believe in God. Um, it's the people of God and, and the church and, and what has happened is the church and the people in the church have just heaped condemnation on people for so long. Because you don't do this, because you don't act like this, because you go and you do that, because you belong to these people or those people. You can't have anything to do with us. Like, that's what the church says. And, and, and the world knows what we're, um, what we're against, but they don't know what we're for. And, and here at this church, in case you were wondering, we're for God. We're for Jesus. We're for making the name of Jesus famous because we know um, that the Bible is true, and the Bible says, for there's no other name under heaven which man can be saved other than Jesus. And so, and so we're all about Jesus, and we're all about living and loving like Jesus lived and loved, and Jesus was anchored um, in compassion. Today, we're going to deal with another area that we need to be anchored to that all of us at some point um, have wrestled with. And if you haven't wrestled with it yet, you will wrestle with it. I promise. Um, and, and let me just, let me kind of set it up like this. Let me say this before I get into the sermon. Um, by the time we get to the end of the message today, and I know this is true because last night it was kind of like this. Um, at the end of this message, we're not going to have this issue resolved. Like we're probably not going to be solidly anchored into it, all of us. Um, but we're at least going to know how to take steps forward towards resolving the issue. Um, this message really came together. I knew we were going to talk about this topic in the series, um, but this really came together, and, and it was kind of real and kind of in front of me, and it was like right there Wednesday night into Thursday morning of this past week. Uh, there was a situation, I'm not going to tell you the situation, um, but there was a situation that happened that really caused me to look at some things uh, that had happened to me personally and, and around me uh, the past several weeks and say, am I really anchored in this area <laughs> Like, is this something that I'm, that I'm really solid on? Like, is this something that I've really dealt with? Have I, have, I really, have I really handled this the way that I need to handle this? Or have I kind of just pulled up the anchor and, and drifted away? You know, one of the things um, about boating and about anchors, and I told you last week, I told you the cove story, how you can just put down the anchor and then you can sit there um, all the time. Sometimes you get in a little too deep right? And the anchor doesn't quite hit the bottom and you begin to drift. And I'm telling you, if you are not solid in this area, if this thing isn't sitting in the bottom, you're going to drift away and you're going to have problems because this problem is going to keep coming up over and over and over again unless you make the decision to really deal with it. And so today we're going to talk about the subject of bitterness and unforgiveness. 
Because listen to me, being bitter and unforgiving towards another person is like, it's like pouring gasoline on our head and then lighting a match and expecting it to burn them up. Like that doesn't work, does it? Like if you, if you went to Casey's today after church and you pulled in and you saw somebody at the pump and they're just like, just pouring gasoline all over their head, getting ready to light a match, you'd be like, what are you doing? I'm mad at my friend. You'd be like, you're an idiot. Like that doesn't make any sense, does it? Like you would think that was crazy. It's the same thing. Listen to me, being bitter and angry at someone, being bitter and angry at someone robs us of our joy. It really does. It robs us of our joy and it hinders our relationship with Jesus and it holds us back and anchors us down in the wrong way from experiencing the abundant life that Jesus Christ has for every one of us. Now I'm saying all that to say this, forgiveness is not easy. (laughs) It is not. Forgiveness is not easy, but it's necessary for all of us to take in our next step it's necessary for all of us to take our next step in our walk with Jesus. It is not easy. Like, I don't know about you, but I've heard people say, and hopefully you're not one of these people, but people say, you just need to forgive. You just need to stop. You just need to drop it, and you just need to forgive. That's easier said than done, right? Seriously. Right? And so today we're going to talk about the why and the how of being anchored in forgiveness. And, and my prayer again my prayer is that at the end of this message, I'm not saying you're going to be ready to totally forgive someone. Like, like you're not. So, so just right now, kind of put on the brakes, and, and I'm going to give you the freedom and the permission to just be like, dude, you don't even understand what they did to me. You're right, man. I don't. I, I get all of that, okay? So I'm not, I'm not saying, like, by the end of this thing, you need to forgive or you can't leave or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not throwing that out there. But I think we're at least going to be able to set ourselves up to anchor ourselves in this area. So we're going to look at this story um, through a story, we're going to look at this through a story Jesus told in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, Matthew 18 is probably the most popular passage on forgiveness in the entire Bible. And Jesus deals with this head on, and I love how this is set up. It starts like this, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, I love that Matthew right here points out that Peter asked this question to Jesus. Because I can imagine they're all sitting around and they're all talking about it. Because somewhere along the line, Jesus probably talked about forgiveness. And, and they're all talking about all the bad things that had happened to them when they were kids. All the bad things that had happened to them through the religious system. The times that they had been rejected. All the times that girls had dissed them or whatever. And, and, and they're probably all arguing back and forth. And Peter draws the short end of the stick. And they're like, Pete, you go talk to him and you go ask him and and Peter goes up and and now listen I don't think Peter was asking like a hypothetical question I I think Peter really did deal um, with the the issue of forgiveness like I think he really wrestled with that see there's a there's a myth that exists in the church world and, and it's this the closer you get to Jesus the fewer problems you have you ever heard that you ever heard anybody say that The closer you get to Jesus, the fewer problems you have. You ever heard that lie? The only problem with that myth is the Bible and life. Like if you take the Bible and life out of it, I guess that myth is probably true. The closer you get to Jesus, the fewer problems you have. I love the fact that Peter asked this question because I believe he wrestled with it. Now, think about Peter for a minute. Just think about him. Can you get any closer to Jesus than Peter? Like, Peter walked on water with Jesus. 
Matthew 14, he's walking on water. Matthew 16, he declared Jesus as the Messiah. He had seen Jesus do so much, and this is the whole, who do people say you are, or who do people say I am? And, and Peter's like, some people say this, and some people say this, and some people say this. And Jesus said, Peter, who do you say I am? And he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He saw Jesus do the miraculous. He saw Jesus feed thousands of people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Yet we see this guy, who is close to Jesus, wrestle with the issue of forgiveness and so i would say if you're wrestling with this issue it doesn't mean that you're a bad person because because that's what people will say right oh if you're if you can't forgive you're just a horrible person i can't believe that you won't forgive them I, I don't think that that's true i would argue the fact that you are wrestling with it is a good thing because that's evidence that the holy spirit of god is at work in our lives because Peter said, all right, all right, all right, all right, listen, listen, listen. I know you're talking about forgiving, and, and, but God, I mean, come, how, how many times? Like, should, can, can I forgive them seven times? W- which is interesting that he would say that because in, back in that time, the Pharisees taught that if you're going to forgive somebody, you should forgive them three times. And Peter's like, well, I want to be better than them, so I'll double it and add, I don't, I don't know if that's what he said. But he's like, can I forgive them seven times? Pro- probably seven, um, maybe the reason why he did seven is seven is the number of completion in the scriptures. So if you're going to go to Jesus with something, go to him with the Bible, right? And Jesus says this, Jesus says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. That's a lot. Jesus comes back and goes, hey, no, 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 you don't just forgive them seven times. Like, that's a good try, Peter but 77 times. Now, let me say this, because this doesn't mean, because some people are like super type A and literal, and, and you're like, all right, I'm gonna get up my piece of paper and a pen, and I'm gonna write it down every time that I forgive you, and when we get to 78, no more! I'm done, right? Like, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, we must continually have an attitude of forgiveness. In other words, here's this week's like sermon in a sentence because I know you like these things. Forgiveness is not a one-time decision but an ongoing process. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness, listen, I'm learning this in my own life. I've been walking with Jesus for many, many, many years. And, and, and I thought forgiveness for years was just like you could forgive somebody and, and, then that's just, and then that's just it. And you could be like later down the road, well, I forgave them, they're just an idiot, whatever. But, but it's, not, it's not that simple, is it? It's not a one-time decision. It's an ongoing process. I would love to be able to say, today I forgive blank, and it would just be over. But it doesn't work that way. It, it's, it's like, let me say it this way. Have you ever thought that you had forgiven someone? You ever thought you'd forgiven someone and then maybe a week later you get mad at that person again for the very same thing that you forgave them for? Has that ever happened to anybody? Like, like once again, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. You're a human being who's really wrestling with an issue. Now, l- let me say this, all right, to, because I'm saying that and some people might take that and you might run with it the wrong way. It's a problem. It's a huge problem if we don't wrestle with it. It's a problem when we say, I hate them, and I'm okay with hating them, because that means the Holy Spirit is not at work in our lives. That's why we've got to make an ongoing decision to forgive. We have to say, all right, man, I'm going to forgive them. 
I'm going to forgive them today. If I'm mad tomorrow, I'm going, to forgive, I'm, going to, I'm going to forgive tomorrow. If I'm mad the next day, I'm going to forgive the next day. If I'm mad in two weeks, I'm going to forgive that day. If I'm mad after that, I'm going to forgive. It's an ongoing process. Sometimes it's something you have to do every day. Like, and that's not a big deal. Because there are a lot of things that you do every day. Like, like every day you get up and you brush your teeth. Hopefully you get up and you brush your teeth. Like every day you shower, unless you're a teenage boy, and then you use Axe body spray. <laughs> like, like those are things, like the, the, those aren't one-time things. You do them every day, right? Forgiveness is sort of like that. Forgiveness is not a one-time decision. It is an ongoing process. And once again, if you're wrestling with this, sometimes it's daily, sometimes it's weekly, sometimes it's hourly, but we've got to be willing to make church. We have to be willing to make the choice to forgive and then anchor ourselves in that area of forgiveness. Jesus keeps on going. He starts to tell this story, and every time Jesus makes a point, he tells a story to kind of prove the point and kind of reinforce it. He says this in verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. That makes sense, because listen, one of these days, we're going to stand before God, and we're going to have to settle accounts, and either we pay or Jesus pays. That's what becoming a Christian is, receiving Jesus into our life and understanding that Jesus makes the payment for our sins, like Jesus is the one who made the payment. There's nothing we have to do, and when Jesus comes into our life, he, he completely changes us, and that's what he's explaining right here. It says, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, let's unpack that real quick. Because in our economy, I mean, 10,000 bags of gold is a lot, right? Somebody last night said, well, how big are the bags? Doesn't matter, right? You got 10,000 bags of gold, like little tiny Ziploc bag of gold. Like, that's a lot of gold. Big, great, big pillowcase full. Like, it doesn't matter. 10,000 bags of gold is a lot of gold. But when Jesus is telling this story, he comes up with an amount. Don't miss this. He's telling the story, and he comes up with an amount so large that when he said it, Peter and everyone else that was listening was like, that's insane. Like, there's no way that anybody could ever pay back that much. That, that is like so much money. That would be us like saying it was a gazillion trillion dollars. I mean, it, it's something that's just unimaginable. Everybody in there was like, there's just no way anyone could pay this back. And so Jesus is saying, this guy who owes 10000 back, who owes all of this money, since he was not able to pay, Jesus lets us know, all right, hey, you guys are right, it's a ton of money, dude can't pay it, watch this, verse 25. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. In other words, this dude got himself in a mess. This is a great big deal. And, and let me just say this, um, this is a little side note, this is a little freebie inside the message. This isn't the message, but it's inside the text, and so I'm going to tell you, your sin will always, always affect those closest to you, and it will always cost them more than you would ever be able to possibly imagine. Your sin is always going to cost those closest to you. Since he was unable to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, all of us have probably had the experience where we spent way more than we thought, right? Like, like we live in swipe culture. You, you know what I'm talking about? 
Dave Ramsey talks about this. If you, if you do any Dave Ramsey stuff, like if you go to Financial Peace University, which is an incredible course that we do here at this church, if you haven't done it, I highly recommend you get into the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University thing. It's amazing. Um, but he talks about how if we would all use cash, like if we use cash everywhere that we went, we wouldn't spend so much. Um, but we don't do that because we think we can just push a button or swipe a card. I, I remember um, one time m- my kids wanted to do something, and um, one of them, um, I'll tell you it was Jira because he wasn't here. I'll tell the story saying it was Chloe in the next service. Um, <laughs> one of them was like, it, it, we were getting ready to do something that was like super expensive, and he was like, just use your card. And I'm like, little boy, like you, you can't just swipe. It's like you got to put stuff on this thing first, man. Like it's not just endless that you get to use. And, and, so, and, and so, but we think that, right? We think because we don't see it, like we can just swipe a card. We really don't think about how much we've spent until the bill comes. Like, like, I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten the credit card bill in the mail and thought, I didn't spend this much money. Mary, somebody stole our identity. And then you start looking at it deeply, and you're like, oh, I spent this. I bought this. I bought, Mary, you bought this. All right? Isn't it amazing how much debt you can accumulate in a short amount of time? Well, the same thing is true with sin when it comes to our sin debt. There is no way that we could pay. Seriously, when it comes to our sin debt, there is no way that we could pay. And so this man in this story, like, like that, that's, what, that's what happens in regards to sin. Like this man in the story, he came and, and, and he wasn't able to pay. That's what sin has done in our lives. Like the, the sin debt we have accumulated is so deep. And so Jesus is telling the story to kind of go through that and talk about forgiveness and, and how much God forgives us. And he, he's like, hey, man, you've accumulated so much that there's no way you're going to get out of it. And so he's using this guy. This guy's here. He, he can't pay. And then he says this. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. Now notice those four words. Those are huge. We're going to come back to those four words, that phrase, in just a minute. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything, which he couldn't. Like everybody knew that. Like everyone's like, look at him, like, you're lying. There's no way you could pay it back. You have accumulated so much debt. There's no way you could pay this back. This is the equivalent to us telling God, God, if you forgive me, I'll never do it again. How many of you ever done that? God, if you forgive me, come on. Anybody want to be honest today? I've done it. We could be so quick to ask God for forgiveness, and we make deals with him so we don't have to pay the consequences, right? God, if you forgive me, I'll never do it again. Meanwhile, you already booked tickets to do it again. You know what I'm talking about? But we say that in the moment just to feel better about ourselves. Look, this guy said, be patient with me. Now, here's the deal. Like, little, little insight in the pastor ryan i love patient people i'm not a patient person but i love patient people i love when people are patient with me i have a difficult time being patient with other people but i, I but listen 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 all of us want that right all of us want people who are patient with us all of us want parents who are patient with us like when you when you're a kid you don't want the angry dad yelling at you and getting on your case all the time so later on in the series, we're going to talk about this, but, but here's what you need to understand about God. When it comes to us, God has been super patient with us. 
Last week we talked about it's because of his compassion, because of his kindness, because of his patient with, patience with us. That that's what draws us to repentance. Like he's not like an angry dad who yells at his kids all the time. Like he's not just like on your case. There are so many people that think that about God. That God just wants to yell at me. That God just wants to get me back. God just wants to punish me. God is super, super, super patient with us. All right, that's another message for another time, but I wanted to point that out here. God's super patient. Because that's what this guy asked for. This guy asked, hey, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything, which he couldn't have done. It goes on to say, the service master took pity on him, showed him compassion, right? Took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. This is unbelievable. Let him go. The service master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Let, let, let me say this. This is kind of the definition of forgiveness. And this is what forgiveness is according to this story, according to our relationship with Jesus, and according to our relationship with other people. This is the best definition on forgiveness that I can give you. Forgiveness is saying, you don't owe me anymore. Like that, that's forgiveness. That's the best definition that anybody can come up with on forgiveness. Forgiveness is you and I saying, you don't owe me anymore. Th that's what this guy did. That's what the master did. This servant had accumulated all this debt, and the master looks at him, forgives the debt, and says, hey, it's cool, man. Get up. You don't owe me anymore. Listen, when Jesus comes into our life, when it comes to our sin, God says, you don't owe me anymore. It's all right. It's fine. You don't owe me. Jesus paid it all. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe me. Jesus paid for it. You don't owe me anymore. And that's the same thing that God wants us to do with other people. We have to learn how to say, hey, you don't owe me anymore. You don't owe me anymore. Because see, if we hold bitterness and unforgiveness in our heart toward another person, they owe us something, right? They owe us. They owe us, they owe us, they owe us. They owe us an apology. They owe us an explanation. They owe us years of begging for our forgiveness. They owe us, they owe us, they owe us. But forgiveness, listen, don't miss this. Forgiveness is when we can get to the point where we can anchor ourselves down and we can literally say, they don't owe me anymore. They just don't. They don't owe me anything. Like, think about it like this. <laughs> let's play pretend. Let, let's, play, let's pretend um, that you get a phone call tomorrow and it's your bank. And your banker is on the other line. And, and your banker's like, hey, man, the craziest thing just happened. Somebody came in, and they, like, paid off all your debt. They paid off your house. They paid off your student loans. They paid off your credit card. They paid off all your cars. How many of you would think that's a good day? How many? Both hands up for me, right? Like, I'd want to know who that person was. I'd be like, Brad, who was it? I'm going to go give him a hug, and I'm not a hugger. You want a you hug from Pastor Ryan? That's how you do it. You go to the bank and you pay off his stuff. Like, that, that'd be good. Like, that's reason to celebrate, right? You'd, would you not be excited about that? Would everybody be excited about that? Everyone in here, you'd be ecstatic if somebody paid off all your stuff. Well, that's basically what happened to this guy in the story. Master paid off everything. Okay, man, you don't owe me anymore. This is like millions of dollars, man. You don't owe me anything. And then watch what happens. This is crazy. But the servant went out. He leaves the presence of the master. The servant went out. He found, everyone say found. That's huge. We'll come back to that in a second. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. Now understand something. This guy did owe him. 
but it wasn't very it wasn't very much especially compared to the tons of money that he owed the master look what he did he grabbed him and began to choke him pay back what you owe me he demanded now if you're like watching this from the outside you like look you're like dude what what are you doing You've just been forgiven like millions of dollars. Like, what are you doing? This would be like, this would be like you. You just got your house paid off, your car paid off, all your credit cards paid off, your student loans paid off. You're super happy. You're ecstatic. You're celebrating. And so you go get in your car to drive around town, your freshly paid off car, right? You're honking the horn. You're celebrating. Woo-hoo! You pull in the Casey's because your new paid off car needs some gas. You walk inside, and you get into Casey's, and you see a guy who you had saw in there the week before who didn't have any money on him, and so you gave him five dollars to buy a drink a dr pepper or or whatever and this week you see him and you go up to him and you're like hey man you got my five dollars and he goes no and all of a sudden you just jump on him and you start choking him right at the registers at casey's like that'd be crazy wouldn't it nobody in here would go well you know what pastor he deserved it he borrowed the five dollars yeah but you just had your house and your car and your student loans and your credit cards all paid off yes he legitimately owed five dollars but come on it's five dollars I mean, seriously, this would be crazy. Well, Jesus is, is kind of pointing this out to remind us, don't lose sight that somebody has paid off your debt. His name is Jesus. Like, that, that's what he's getting to right here, which is crazy. Because, don't miss this. The servant leaves the master. And when he goes out, like, I, I, was, I was reading through this this week. I'm studying through this. I'm putting this thing together. And, and this, this just blew my mind because I like, seriously like, skipped over this forever. But he leaves, he's happy, and the Bible doesn't say, doesn't use our run into somebody at Casey's scenario. The Bible doesn't say he just ran into one of his fellow servers. The Bible says he found him. Remember that? He found him. In other words, this is a heart issue. There was, there was something in his heart that made him seek this guy out. There was something in his heart that allowed him to receive forgiveness but not extend forgiveness. And that is messed up. He had such an issue that if he sees, when he sees this guy, he begins to choke him. And, and then it gets crazy. Watch this. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. Now, hold up. Where have we heard that before? That's what that guy said to the master, right? The guy doing the choking, that's what he had said to the main master. The same thing this guy said is the same thing his fellow servant said to him. Hey, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. If you, if you, give me my time. I, I pay you back. I pay you back. I, uh. Like, that's what's happening because he's getting choked out. But watch this. Don't, don't miss this. Look what this guy. Look what this guy did. But he refused. Instead, he went off. And had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt, which is stupid. Because if you throw somebody in prison, they're not going to be able to pay the debt, right? He was unforgiving. There was so much anger and bitterness in his heart that he was not willing to forgive. Now, I'm going to be um, <laughs> super blunt and super honest with you. <laughs> and I'm just going to tell you, <laughs> and you might like this, you might not like this, I don't know. I'm going to tell you that hating somebody 
and having that imaginary conversation in your mind where you're always right and they're always wrong and you're standing over them and they're crying and they're begging for your forgiveness, that kind of feels good, doesn't it? Let's be honest, like that imaginary situation in our minds, like that feels so good, doesn't it? And listen, I know that sounds jacked up. I can't believe the pastor is saying that. But I think you're going to be able to relate. Because think, think, think through this, man. Unforgiveness sometimes feels so good, doesn't it? Like we, we can make it feel good until we experience the consequences of it. Because listen, and don't miss this. This is something I'm learning in my own life. Unforgiveness holds us back in our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with others. It really does. Unforgiveness holds us back in our relationship with Jesus and with others. Unforgiveness anchors us in the wrong way, church. Which, like, watch what this guy does. He goes and he has him thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And, and, and look what happens. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. See, here's the deal with people that are bitter and angry. Other people can see it. When you're bitter and angry, other people can see it. You can hide and you can disguise a lot of things, but we cannot hide bitterness and anger. It just always comes out. It does. It always comes out. Verse 32, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In other words, this is what God is saying. Like, like we've received God's grace, and God said, is saying, because you've received my grace, that's what I want you to offer other people. I want you to extend the same kind of grace. Because you've received my compassion, I want you to be compassionate on other people. Because you've received my forgiveness, I want you to forgive other people. Now, our argument back to God is, well, they don't deserve deserve it you know what they did to me and God's like dude you want to talk about what you deserve like none of us deserve like God's grace none of us deserve that and so when we look at other people and we're talking about forgiveness or grace or compassion and we said they don't deserve it we put ourselves in God's seat and God's like "Uh uh-uh get out You, you don't belong in this seat this is my seat you're not supposed to do that Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. Not just thrown into prison, to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is a sad situation. And it didn't have to turn out this way. Now, I'm sure that this is what some of you are thinking. And and I, I know you're thinking this because I've thought this too. Ryan, if I forgive somebody, I'm letting them off the hook. And again, you don't know what they did to me. And, and if I forgive them, like I'm just, I'm just letting them walk away. I'm just letting them get away with it. That's not actually true. Forgiveness is not letting them off the hook. It's letting me off the hook. That's what forgiveness is. For, forgiveness has nothing to do with them and everything to do with me. If we extend forgiveness, it doesn't let them off the hook. It lets us off the hook. Because see, th- this guy in the story that was unforgiving he sent back to jail and tortured. The guy he refused to forgive, we don't even know what happened to him. Jesus never even addresses that. And what Jesus is basically saying in this story right here is if we're going to receive God's grace, we need to receive that same grace to other people. 
if we're going to receive God's compassion, we need to extend that compassion to other people. And if we're going to receive God's forgiveness, then we need to be people who forgive other people. He finishes it off like this, just so he makes sure we get the point of that. Verse 35, this is how your heavenly Father will treat you, each of you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This right here, this is one of the most difficult things in the Bible, in my opinion. If somebody has hurt you or somebody has wounded you, it's really hard to let that go. And Jesus said, this is how your heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive from your heart. I'll close like this. And, man, I, I could probably tell a hundred stories right here about getting wounded by someone. But I don't have to. Because you could close your eyes and you could think of your own wounded story. And you could remember how much that hurts. And you could think about all of the bitterness and unforgiveness that you have towards somebody. I have a difficult time with forgiveness. And I know I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to be all holy and I'm supposed to be able to roll into these things and I'm supposed to stand up here and I'm supposed to model all of this stuff for you and you're supposed to look at me and, 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 you're spo- and listen to me. If that's what you're doing, you're looking at the wrong person. <laughs> the only person you should be looking at is Jesus. It's a struggle for me sometimes. Forgiveness, there have been some things that have happened um, to me. There have been some things that have happened around me. There have been some things that happened within my family and to my family and, and it's one of those things like bitterness and anger like, like that, that's an easy thing for me. Forgiveness, I struggle. I struggled with it this week. Again, that's why I'm preaching about it today. But listen to me. Forgiveness for us, what we need to remember, forgiveness for all of us is not a one-time decision. Oh, my gosh, don't, don't you wish it was? Like, like, I wish I had a forgiveness button. And I could tell you today, like, this is the forgiveness button. And you press this button, you'll never be angry at anybody ever again. How many of you would push the button? Like, I'd be slapping the button, man, like over and over again. But seriously, because when there's unforgiveness in my life, when that stuff comes up and I'm reminded of those things, I don't like what it does to my heart and my soul. And I'm telling you, every time that I wrestle with it, I have to choose to forgive in that moment. Like every time I'm reminded of something, and I know that a lot of you are probably like this. Something happened and you made a decision to forgive and, and you'll go months or weeks, maybe even years without thinking about it. And then you'll hear a song or you'll see a car driving down the road that you want to run off the road to remind you of that person. Or you'll hear a name or something will just come up. And, and, and you've got to choose again in that moment to forgive. That's what Jesus is telling us through this story. If you're here today and you've been wounded and you've been hurt, listen, I'm not telling you to get over it. I'm not. I'm not ever going to be the person that tells you you just need to get over it and move on because it's really difficult to get over stuff like that. No matter what your story is, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, it's, it's difficult. I get that. I understand that. But I'm telling you, the right thing to do, if you've received Jesus into your life, the right thing to do, just like Jesus has forgiven us, the right thing for us is in the moment, Choose to forgive them every time. We must be anchored in forgiveness, no matter how hard it may seem. I want to close with this video. And I want you guys to watch this video, and I want you to hear this guy's story. And um, at the end of the story, the girls are going to come up, and they're going to sing a song. And during the song, I'd, I'd love it if you just, it just sat and just listened to the words of the song. Just listen to them sing about forgiveness. 
And, and, and if God so moves in your heart for you to begin the process of forgiveness in this place, awesome, incredible. Just ask him. Like, ask, ask for that opportunity. So the opportunity, God, hey, I don't, I don't know how to have the grace to forgive this person and forgive what they did to me, but, but God, begin to, begin to move in my heart towards forgiveness, and, and I'll make the decision daily to forgive that person. God, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help to forgive. God, I want to be able to be anchored in forgiveness. I want to be able to forgive like Jesus forgives. Watch this. In 1997, uh, my sister Laura was abducted and murdered. She was going on 13 years old. I was nine at the time. And she went out for a, a morning jog and just didn't return home. She was picked up by a serial rapist and, and murderer. Wrong place and wrong time. I could not reconcile the idea of a loving God and what had happened to our family. And so I, I rejected the faith. Coming back to Christ forced me to confront my own lack of forgiveness and realizing that I had been forgiven of so much. I could not withhold forgiveness from the man who had murdered my sister. I realized I had to start rethinking the resentment that I had held for so long and the, the anger. That became a process of forgiveness that really just simply unfolded in, in prayer. Confessing to God, I don't forgive this man, so I need you to help me to forgive him. I need you to give me your own forgiveness because I can't do it on my own. I think the first thing for someone who is struggling with that is to get clear about what forgiveness is and is not, and it's not a feeling. You know, we've, we've been told by pop psychologists for decades now to be true to yourself, which very often means just, you know, follow your emotions. And that's a recipe for chaos, man, because our emotions are chaotic, you know, especially if you're dealing with something that, humanly speaking, is unforgivable. You're not going to feel ready to forgive somebody, but you can ask for the grace to be moved in that direction, and you can make the decision to let go of the resentment. Forgiveness. And so that's one of the things that prayer does is to align our hearts with what our minds know to be the truth. Jesus' disciples asked him, you know, how many times do we need to, to forgive someone? You know, seven times? and he responded, you know, not seven times, but 70 times seven times, which in Jewish rabbinical speak means infinitely times, unlimited times. My primary message to Laura's murderer and to, to anyone else who is on the receiving end of forgiveness is recognize that whatever you've done, the heart of the Father is ecstatically joyful for you to come home. If 
someone who has done that much wrong and hurt that many people can get himself right with the Lord, then so can I. <laughs> and, and so can you and so can everyone else.